You are listening to Pangea Cast, the digital voice of Pangea Church in Seattle, Washington. We are a church that follows in the way of Jesus to inspire others in the way of love. Visit us in person on Sundays or online at seattlepangea.com. I totally interrupted the video. It's really weird. Um, how's it going? <laughs> Hey, uh, so I'm excited to be hanging with you all, and uh, this morning we are going to be closing out a series we've been doing called I Pray, and we've talked about how I Pray is really about we praying, and when I pray, I pray into and for the sake of the community I'm a part of, for the global church, and uh, we've, we've had a lot of cool themes that have risen out of this, right? We've, we've challenged uh, the idea that prayer is just one thing. A lot of us grew up with a monolithic view of prayer. I, I pray by saying words to God out loud. And uh, if it's in a group setting, it has to be out loud. And so, like, when I'm nervous, it just, you know. And, and we've said, well, no, no, no. Like, like, there are all kinds of things that are prayer because prayer is ultimately about communication with Jesus, right? And so, so if prayer is about communication with Jesus, there's all kinds of ways we communicate with Jesus. It's like, it's like if um, the only way you communicated with your significant other, your spouse, your best friend, would be like, hey, um, I have words to tell you, so just stand there for a moment while I say these things to you. You know what I mean? I, 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 we were talking this morning, uh, the idea of that, and I don't know if this is always true, but at least a lot of studies bear out, women generally talk a little bit more than men. I don't know if that bears out in your relationship settings. It's not always true, but... But uh, we were having this conversation, and, um, you know, one of, the, one of the weird sort of things is that, um, you know, you're never a passive recipient of those words. Whether you're given about 10,000 or 25,000, depending on your vocabulary and your energy and your speed of talking and all that, every day, that's what the stats seem to say. Whatever you say, it's never to a static person over here that is unresponsive that, um, you know, there's eye contact, hopefully, you know, there's, there's um, this sense of joy sometimes, like you're telling the story, or it's hilarious, and the hilarity just comes out, and you can't do anything but just laugh as you're hearing it, snot comes out of your nose, and it's really even more funny, because there's snot, snot makes everything more funny, unless you're actually sick, and then it's not funny, but usually, if it's accidental, snot's really funny, right, and and uh, tears sometimes, and you're like, I'm not sad, oh my gosh, right? Like, like, communication is so much more dynamic than one person giving words and the other person statically receiving these words, right? And, and prayer should be no different. We believe in a God who's alive, a living being, the, the, the sort of source of reality, right? And if that's what we believe about God, then why in the world do we treat God and treat Christian prayer as though we're talking to a brick wall that maybe if we hit the note just right, it'll bounce into the sky and God will hear it? Oh, no, no. You ever had those moments when you're with someone you care about deeply and you don't say words for hours? And it's okay. And it's powerful. On those long road trips... You're just noticing the beauty. You're listening to your favorite album. Lauren and I are listening to Daniel Bedingfield. <laughs> I don't know why that one's our road trip album. Got to get through this. You know, that album. No, I'm serious. It became our road trip music every time we're on a road trip. And I'm not exaggerating. It has to play once. Um, I don't even know if I like that album anymore. But it has to play, right? But we're not, we're not necessarily talking. You know what I mean? We're just there. 
And it's like, wow, a beautiful tree, you know? And it's precious. It's good. There's other times where it's like we, we kind of, you know, know where each other's going so we can almost rehearse the words before the other person says them. And sometimes that's a little intrusive and not nice, but sometimes it's just like, you, you know, you finish someone else's sentence and there's this like collaborative sort of understanding. It's almost rhythmic. You might even call it liturgical, right? Yeah, there, there's all kinds of ways that we communicate as human beings. And so why in the world do we have this like idea that we couldn't possibly have all kinds of ways that we communicate with the God of the universe? in whose image we are made. And so this series has just been about breaking that open and saying, you know what, if your whole life story has been, I don't like to pray in the context of groups out loud, therefore I must not be that spiritual, you have been fed a lie. If your whole life has been, I don't know how to use fancy words, right? Maybe you were around folks that were praying and they just start saying things like, and thank you, Jesus, for justifying my sanctification, glory, you know, and they just had this jargon and you're like, I don't even know what those words mean as they come out, you know? For them, great. Let them be them, right? Let's not judge them. Let's just not impose that on you. You get it? Jesus is cool with a simple prayer. In fact, he gives us one. It's called the Lord's Prayer, and that's why we anchored this whole series in it. And so we've introduced various practices, and, and the idea and the heartbeat behind this has been we, as a, as a leadership team and as a church, as we processed ideas and things with a lot of folks, we've realized that we're in the middle of a transition. We realize that we're in a new season of life as a community, and, and we're not... We're not saying that that's a negative thing. We're actually saying it needs to be a prayer-infused thing. But if we don't talk about prayer and what it means around here with each other, like we, yeah, we could very easily have another good idea that sits somewhere up here, right? And, and, and prayer is about communication. So we should communicate to each other about it, and we should probably try to engage in communication with Jesus. And so that's kind of where we've been. And today we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer one last time. Uh, we're going to talk about really two big ideas. Lead us, kind of this idea that God through Jesus can guide and lead us. And, and also this idea of like daily provision, daily bread. We're going to really sit with those two things today. And uh, before we do though, I, I want to just give us a little chance to process this a little bit because uh, my guess is that all of us in this room have experienced a transition in life. Anyone? Just nod. Yeah, transitions. You, you know what those are, right? Um, we're about to have a baby. That's a transition, right? <laughs> um, maybe you got a new job or you left a job or you moved to a new place or your, your like, situation is changed. Transitions are like too constant, yeah? In a city like this, they're more constant than other places too. Anybody? Don't you hate it sometimes? That's part of the angst we've been feeling in our church. People phase in and out and transition and I can't afford to live in this neighborhood, so I go to that. You know, like it's all of those things. And yet Jesus invites us to talk to him about it. That's, that's crazy. Like, that's Christianity. Like, like, if you ever wonder, like, what, what does Christianity offer that's unique from just being part of a good social justice club? At a good social justice club, you've got the person who talks about the initiatives and the things you're doing. And it's good stuff. It's great stuff. Here, here's the difference. 
you have access to Jesus of Nazareth, the resurrected embodiment of Israel's God. Like, like that's, that's the beautiful thing about this. And so if we don't tap into that, like, what are we doing? So I want to I invite us to actually just talk about this a little bit. And I made you do this last week, and it's, it ended up working, right? So talking and being interactive to each other, you know, whatever. Um, and so here, here's what I, I want to invite us to just talk about. It, you've got about three, four minutes. So, so it doesn't have to be a long story as much as just sort of cliff note version, as one of my uh, former pastors used to say. Give me the cliff note version. I don't know if that's a nice thing to say or not, but it, whatever. Uh, so share a time when you face the transition, and, and highlight what was positive about it or what was negative about it as you process that experience. And you don't have to do both necessarily, but if you're like, hey, it was negative in this way, it was positive in this way, yeah, just run with that. So anyone around you, you know, group up in threes or fours, turn to make sure people behind you have friends to talk to that aren't just their their friend who came with them, you know, and, and uh, we'll, we'll come back together. So, uh, keywords. What, what came to mind when you thought about life transitions? Keywords. What? Anchor? Oh, like Anchorman Anchor? But like, like but Anchor. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Making sure I'm hearing you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why Anchorman came up first. That's pretty awesome. He punted Baxter. Um, so what else? What are other, other uh, words that come to mind? Tough. tough? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Transitions are tough. Huh? Community. So, so the sense that something is going, like, but there's others with you. Yeah, yeah. Other, other keywords. Yes. Scary. Yeah, hon, you're so right. Some transitions are scary. I remember when we moved to a new house, we had to read a lot of books about moving, didn't we, to get ready for the big change? Yeah, yeah. Any other, any other uh, thoughts? Yeah. Does he have one? Oh, not using a day with good use? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good image. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is very true. So, so transition space, right? In Nerdland, we call this, um, oh, I can't even think of it. And I just said, in Nerdland, we call this like I know what I'm saying, right? What is it called? Liminal, liminal space. Maybe you've heard this term before, liminality, right? So like liminality would be on this side, there is uh, wood floor. On this side, there's wood floor. But in the space in between, we're not really sure which side of the floor we're going to end up on. It's kind of this tension space. Um, liminality is uh, one of the hardest places to live, and it's possibly one of the most um, empowering and growing spaces that we have in the journey of life with Jesus. And so, so liminality, but I'd say transition often feels like that space in between. And, and some of us in this room probably have the question, like, does that space ever resolve? Yeah. Some of you feel like you've been in this liminal space for longer than the other spaces, and you're like, what? Like, how's that, how's that real? And so, so that's, all, that's all part of it. And, and so bringing our prayer life into that tension, that, that's a, that is a gift, but also can be a challenge. And, and one of the things we're going to talk about today is, is like, what do we do in the midst of that kind of challenging space? And um, 
Our dear friend Kirsten today is going to be sharing uh, with us a little bit about this. Um, and I'm going to give you my chair. I'm going to come over here and give you this thing. I think it will work. And I can move so you have your notes. Yeah. My <laughs> you want to know what my notes are? I have a – she's laughing already. So my notes today are here's my big binder, and I have a sticky note. <laughs> and she, she thought it was hilarious, and so I just had to call it out. I had those fancy signs in here, and I made use of things. I was like, I don't really need the iPad today. I just wasn't needing it. And so anyway, um, so Kirsten. Uh, by the way, um, Kirsten's awesome. Can we just call it out? So thanks for being up here. Yeah. And uh, I think you're inviting the women up here because of what you said earlier, that women typically talk more than men. Oh, so hey, that we, hey. We could preach your sermon you. for you. And then, right? That's unbiblical. <laughs> <laughs> We're all good with women preachers. Let's be clear about that. Um, you can preach the sermon, and in fact, I would love to not. Um, I, think, I think this is way too hard to talk about, so that's why I think it's going to be great to actually talk with you about it. Um, and, and I'm going to pull out my other cheater notes, which is my phone, where I took a picture of a text conversation we had, and make sure I'm, I'm uh, kind of setting us up a little bit here. But um, So I gave Kirsten a couple, three questions, and said, you know, Sit with these, process these, and uh, we'll see where this goes. So, yeah, thanks. Um, so the first one I wrote, and I'm, I'll just read it. Uh, how has prayer been part of your journey, specifically when you hear the words together, prayer and transitions, what comes to mind? So my entry point for Jesus um, Prayer Church was really early in life. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a praying family. And I remember as I was young, my dad, um, we would all, my dad was kind of a model for me of prayer, but would pray for really specific things. Mm -hmm. And as I watched him get older, I watched him move to a posture of, you know, he'd start to pray or lift somebody up. And it was like, you know, God, I I pray for Scott. And he would start to want to name something and it would kind of end like, well, well, you know, (laughs) and you you know, yeah. and so we're just not going to put the words there. We're going to, we're just going to lift it to you. So that wow. was a really awesome model. Wow. And then guess what's next in my notes is liminal space. What? <laughs> um, I, we um, talked ahead of time. Yeah, we're we like, we got to make this super cool. <laughs> no, it's awesome. So that we enter into these liminal spaces wow. where we aren't, um, where we were in the familiar, but we aren't where the future hmm. is yet to unfold. And um, yeah. so very specifically, and, and I just think, like you said, we're all in transitions all the time. And I think of like what has been practical for me, yeah. like an image, um, as I've gone through different moves or, or different things, um, the image has been of open hands. And mm-hmm. for me, that's been almost like a mantra or a just a a tangible thing that when things start to get crazy, it's like, okay, open hands, open hands. And my friend Yvonne is Catholic and she uses the rosary, you know, Mm. and that's a very like tangible image Mm -hmm. for her, like a kind of an anchor point like we were talking about. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay, I came up with a word for each one of those. So that one was posture. Posture. So my posture is one of of open hands, I guess, of yeah. trying to, like, really repeat that to myself. Yeah. Um, and not that I'm coming in with a bunch of <coughs> specific expectations, but it's just reminding myself of, okay, yeah. this is a journey, and yeah. That's No, that's that's so so important, and 
some of you were here when we, we kind of used that image uh, to talk about this, right? And you, you remind me of the, the woman uh, who was mentally ill and had one last possession and, you know, didn't want it ripped out of her hands and sort of that release of open hands. And so open-handedness when we're trying to be led, that's like, that's not easy, right? It's, a gr- it's, a, it's an important image, but that's like, yeah, it's hard. Um, and so when you hear about Jesus' teaching, right, lead us. And, and of course, in the, in the prayer, it's lead us not into temptation, right? Like, uh, temptation is a pretty broad word in the ancient world. It, it can mean trials. It can mean um, bad decisions. It can mean all kinds of things. And, and, but when you think about being led uh, by God um, through prayer and through experiences like this, what does that bring up for you? So I feel like led is a really loaded word. It really is. <laughs> uh, and that was something that was a part of my vocabulary early in life. Was, and, I, and I do believe, like, the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, um, has led me or given me certain promptings. And, um, yeah. But as I've evolved in my faith and I've kind of looked back with spiritual direction or reflection, for me, led means invited. Hmm. So it's it's been a shifting of a lead. I mean, both of them are God initiated, but invited feels more resonant for yeah. me. And um, I can give you an example. Yeah. Um, so I've just dealt with a lot of you know feeling this evangelical like uh, need for my quiet time or my daily thing to like look like what you know, everybody else said it uh, should be, and I love Rob Bell. I know mm-hmm. we're probably maybe divided, maybe not here in this church, but <laughs> he says, church, stop yeah. shooting on yourself, mm. and um, it's good. so it just this movement of wanting to not have this image of what I want or think prayer should be, and so one, uh, I have a bunch of teenagers, and around Christmas last year, we're looking at our Spotify year in review, and you know, it tells you the artist that oh. you've listened to the most that yeah. year, and the and the um, the actual song that you've listened to the most. And I realized, in retrospect, that I had listened to the same song every morning on my commute, and it was it was like a recognition that God had invited me. And that time of my commute was kind of really lamenting all that was going on and then realizing today is a gift and um, orienting myself around God with God that he's mm-hmm. weeping with me and he's offering this to me and and I love it when I reflected back that it wasn't my cleverness or creativity it was simply it was a surrender to love versus this mm. com- compulsion to obedience yeah. um, and so um, what was my word for that one? Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, oh. surrender to love, I guess, would be. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Surrender to love. Invitation. Invitation. Is that maybe the word? Maybe that's the word. Okay. Yeah. Well, you it's a good it, word. You got a good listener, yeah. Well, <laughs> we're in a training program together where we <laughs> learn to listen, right? Sorry. That's, um, we're uh, both doing a spiritual director program where we're learning to listen to folks. And so, um, yeah, thank you. The uh, last question here is like as you put together these pieces of your own journey and 
our journey as a church. Um, there's a lot of things that we could say. Like, like we ask this question, like, what do you hope for? You know, it's just this big, loaded, just like the word led is big and loaded. But if you were to just think of one thing as it pertains to our life together and prayer as a church community, what, what's one thing that um, you hope comes out of this season of focusing on prayer? I love that we're collectively dipping our toes into different styles of prayer, thanks in large part to Jen. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's a journey. And so my hope is that we don't look at somebody else's prayer life or our past prayer life and, and, um, and feel like we have to hold on to that or that mm. has to ring true for us because it's an organic, evolving movement of God in our lives. Yeah. And so... Um, when I try to hold on to that or aspire to be somebody else, it's like I'm making that an idol. Hmm. Um, let's see what else that we would. Um, I think for me, the big word here is awareness that hmm. we would develop individual and collective awareness of God, Jesus spirit. Um, the Christian life is not flashy or complicated or only for a few. Um, and there's, you know, as we're, there's so many of us, we're all different, and there's so many ways that God invites us each to experience him. Yeah. Um, I also really burn for community, mm-hmm. um, and um, so being aware of each other and our prayerfulness, um, and I think that we all go through, we're all holding hard things, and <clears throat> in the midst of that, Every once in a while, I'll have this moment where it's called like thin places where mm-hmm. I feel the pain, but in the middle of it, I see this little glimpse of God. And yeah. um, it's not that he's more near, it's just that I can sense it. And so as we do life together, you know, kind of just seeing God in the midst of what all we're holding. And then I think there are also hard things we go through that we can't even see God or feel God together you know I've gone through some mental illness and not um yeah even being able to feel it and I think this is where we can walk with each other Mm -hmm. we can be incarnate Mm -hmm. presence together where there is no formula but we just press in and be present so I think awareness and presence um holding each other um without an agenda and yeah that's kind of what that's uh that's awesome. Thank you. And, and I think it seems to me that without an agenda is probably the hardest part of the community piece, right? Because we want people, naturally, if we're in this journey together, like we want people to thrive. And often it's our way of thriving that we know how to bring to others. But that might not be their way of thriving. And that's, that's hard. That's hard to discern. And, and so giving each other grace for when there is difference and there is challenge. And yet, yeah, what a hopeful image that we can do this together. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to do this where we clap because that, that was such a blessing this morning. Yeah, seriously a blessing. Um, and, you know, it seems to me that... Uh, invitation, community. Um, these, are, these are really important. And wanna, I heard that people like the whiteboards. I'm bringing it back this week. It's not going to be as cool. I'll, I'll assure you of that. But, but I, I do want to think, um, 
a little bit about the Lord's Prayer together. And in fact, I'm going to ask that the slide go up and we can kind of look at the uh, prayer once together. And let's see, blue is usually a good color, right? Yeah, we'll say blue because it matches my eyes. Um, that's the most important thing about anything. Um, so this is in a lot of people's ways. So I'm going to try and do this just a little bit. Okay. Um, I'll just read it. We'll read it together during communion. But the Lord's Prayer, right? It says, Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So there's a lot that we're not hitting in this passage during this series, right? So I'll, I'll highlight what we didn't really cover in, in, in a very deep way, right? Forgiving, um, you know, the forgiveness piece. We're, we're not really talking about that. Uh, but I can imagine that as we talk about community, we can understand the necessity of com- communities who are communities of forgiveness, reflecting the forgiveness of a good and loving father, right? Like, like that is... Um, central to this, that when we're wronged, we somehow, some way together, ask what does it mean, to use a word that was uh, used a couple of weeks ago, what does it mean to bring shalom back to this, right? Wholeness, peace. Um, Shalom is this Hebrew word, by the way, that is a greeting in modern day, right? Shalom. It's like, aloha, hello, right? I mean, but it's also like this deep biblical word that talks about relationships in harmony with God, with the earth, and with each other. And, and so that's central to prayer as well, and life as a community as well. What I want to look at, though, today are, are two real important phrases, I think. One is about bread. One is about being led. We'll, we'll do that because it rhymes. And, and what I was thinking partially as I hear, I hear Kirsten talking, and, and partially as I've, I've almost, as I've been praying and experiencing this stuff in my own life, right, is that the transitional space often makes us worry about bread. Let me say that in another way. When we are struggling, when we are being, uh, when we find ourselves placed in a situation that temptation might be a word, we, maybe we'll say the word trial just because that helps capture the bigness of it. Our human instinct, and I don't think this is a wrong instinct, it's not a judgmental instinct, it's just a real instinct, right? It's move here. I don't have enough. Or, or if it's an identity thing you're walking through, I am not enough, right? Anybody? Maybe you've had those seasons in your life where it's like, clearly I'm negative characteristic because this thing keeps happening. And you've told yourself this story. And it was, it was just like echoes, echoes, echoes. And so the impulse in that is, is to say, so how can I fix it? Maybe, maybe that's another word, right? Fix. 
Do I have anyone who likes to fix things in here? Yeah. Last night we were doing a, uh, we're trying to figure out like changing table. And we were looking at Wayfair and Ikea and, you know, all the websites, just trying to figure out like which version would be the one we want to use, you know. And, and it, was, it was really, really funny. We came across this one and it was awesome, right? And then we found out it was also on Amazon and we're like, well, that's easy because it's two days, right? And so we go to Amazon and we're like, the awesome one has two and a half stars. Like, what the heck? We're so excited about it, you know? And we look at the reviews, and every single review is like, this is the worst piece of material to put together ever. It is the hardest. You know what I mean? Like, it is just, one person said, hey, after putting this together, I love putting together IKEA furniture, right? Like, this was like a review. Um, and, and, and if you've ever put together IKEA furniture, you know it's already messy enough, you know? So I am not the fixer in our house. Um, I am the, Lauren, can you handle this in our house? <laughs> right? I, I, just, I just don't have the patience or the skills. But, but often, the person with the, the posture of fixing things is actually a gift. So, so this isn't, again, this isn't a negative thing right away. The, the thing that can become negative in our lives during one of these transitional trial periods, and when we're trying to, like, figure out, okay, so where is God in the midst of this? Where, like, how does, like, I pray and it feels like I'm hitting a wall. Like, I, we have to ask ourselves, is this where we go for comfort? For peace? for the sense that it's all going to work out. And, and I think there's some necessity there, right? We, if you don't try to, like, do something to, like, intervene, like, you're, you're not just a passive spectator in your life, at least you shouldn't be. However, like, lead is the invitation through the trial. Isn't that, isn't that a wild thing to pray? Like being led. But, but when I think of being led, I, I start to just say, like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, I don't even have a word because being led just feels weird. Or maybe, maybe you've heard this one, and we talked about it in another talk a little bit. God's what? I'm not writing the word Willems. Will. God's will, right? And... And I think these two things really often move people just back over here. You see what I'm saying? What do I mean by that? We know deep in our bones that Jesus invites us to be led by him and there's some sort of interaction that is possible with Christ through our challenges. We know this because we're good Christian people, right? We read the Bible. We did all this stuff. And then we start saying, I want God's will because clearly there's a purpose to this. I need God's will right now. And God's sitting around and like, I didn't want this to happen either sometimes. Not all the time. Like, I didn't want you to lose your job. That's, that's terrible. I didn't want this thing to happen to your family member. That's terrible. And yet Jesus says, like, like we can be led 
But when we've hyped ourselves up over here, like, oh, I just need Jesus. I just need God's will. I just, you know, I don't quite know what it means to be led. I'm just going to, you know. And then we get all of our comfort from maybe the concept of these things. Eventually, we start moving back towards fixing it. It's been true in my life. How do we do both of those things and do them well? Do you ever feel like you're, you're trying to pray and you're like, I don't, I don't even know how to change my life posture. I don't even know what Jesus is actually inviting me into in this. And, and it's like there's no bringing these two together. We'll put a cross there because that's always the Christian symbol of something. I find great comfort in the daily bread invitation. Now, what's challenging to me is that the daily bread invitation, it's something we're invited to pray. There's no guarantee we actually get the bread. If there were, there's a lot of people who pray that prayer and don't get bread. A lot of babies with bloated bellies in this world. Their moms and dads, they're, they're praying this prayer and this ain't working out for them. So it's not as though you pray and somehow God just dispenses whatever you need. It doesn't work. A God who's a dispenser, that'd be pretty helpful sometimes, right? We actually want that because, again, we get into this mode. Hey, dispense me a new situation. Dispense me some more money. Dispense, you know, like we just want God to be Whatever makes us feel secure. In the ancient times, have you, uh, maybe you've heard of a guy named David. David and Goliath. Now, David and Goliath uh, is an interesting story for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, David uses a rock. And if Malcolm Gladwell's right, David had the advantage. That's an interesting concept. Uh, whatever you think of good old Malcolm. And And uh, David is this fascinating character in the Hebrew Scriptures. David, for New Testament writer Paul, is the link that justifies Jesus as Messiah, right? This is the lineage of Jesus. But David's a shepherd. David, David, like, goes out into the fields. He has all these sheeps, sheep, sheepers, Sheeparoonies is all the sheep, all of them, and, and he guides them, he has a staff, and he tells, there's this prayer that's attributed to him called Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Beautiful. But David knew, like anyone in the ancient world, that daily provision wasn't a simple thing. He knew the story of his ancestors who out in the wilderness, God did do something miraculous. God wasn't prevented from doing such a miraculous thing. And there was manna. And again, they get the bread they need, the manna bread. You maybe remember this story. And then eventually they don't like the taste of it anymore. (laughs) You ever gotten something you needed and didn't quite like the flavor? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the worst. And and so so the shepherd, I'm going to start a new picture here now. The shepherd will guide the sheep through the desert, through the countryside, each and every day. And there's these little baby hills. Those are hills. Yep. 
It could be a lot of other things. Let's keep them as hills. Um, and we'll, we'll have clouds to just remind us that they're hills. Um, <laughs> and a bird. Sorry. And, uh, and here's what's fascinating about shepherds in the ancient world. Shepherds would go into rocky, awkward terrain and, and would, would try and just find the right spot to take the sheep so that they could have what they needed to eat that day. And green pastures for an ancient Jewish shepherd, which is also in Psalm 23, lead me, right? Still waters, green pastures, these are like the, the, the images of abundance, Green pastures, if I have a green pen, I do. I don't even know what that is, I fell. Um, green pastures are more like this. For the ancient Jewish person, green pastures are that. Everything else that is not green is rock and dirt. For the ancient Jewish person, this is an image of abundance for a shepherd. You tracking with me now? Daily bread was, there is enough on the hillside today for my flock to get a meal. That's daily bread for the shepherd of Psalm 23. But here's our challenge. That doesn't feel like this. It doesn't feel like this. What is Jesus inviting you into right now? So that you can live in that space. more deeply rooted in who Jesus has invited you to be, more deeply rooted in Jesus himself in the midst of it all, not really trying to figure out the fix, although that's probably wise. You need to figure out your fix. You know, you've got to figure out life circumstances where you have the ability to figure out life circumstances. But, but also being led here and, and trusting and believing that the tension isn't the point. It's what happens to you in the midst of that tension that is always the point. Liminal space, fancy word. The tension. The space where I've had it pretty stable. Right now, the situation in my life does not feel stable. I know I'm being led somewhere, but it feels like there's a tightrope on me or maybe a shepherd's staff is like pulling me back from that destination and I don't know how to lose its grip. We have a couple of options in that moment. We can attribute the force that is pulling us back to God's judgment, to God's unconcern for us. Or we can attribute that in the moment, no matter what might be pulling us back, no matter what is slowing us down from the next step that we so desperately long for, that Jesus in that moment is actually speaking a word to you that 
even as you move slowly, you're not alone. And the slowness might actually be good for you. The slowness might actually be good for you. Have you ever said something to encourage people and didn't want to believe it for your own life? Yeah, that's me right now. Yeah. I don't want to believe that. In fact, I, I'm always like, God, why, why in this little sliver of my life does it always feel like I'm stuck? Right? Or this other thing over here. And then there's these other things I'm just like, whoa, I just fast forwarded. Like, and it was insane and it was odd. You know, and there's a rush from that. And we don't really get to know all the answers to those mysteries, do we? But this is what we do know. We know that Jesus invites us to say, what does God have for me today? Is there enough on the hillside? And we do know that Jesus' desire for our lives is that we somehow figure out what it means to be led. But I think, as the old saying goes, it's more about the journey than the destination. And I think this prayer invites us to anchor our prayers in here, now, today. What is real for you, not some fantasized future? What is real here? Because what is real here, we ought to feel, we ought to experience, we ought to own, we ought to bring others into it today. Because that is the gift of praying for daily bread. Not bread for a week from now. And that is the gift of being led by the good shepherd who sees you, who knows your voice, who you know his voice. Like, like that is a gift. And my hope for us is that we will be a community that increasingly learns what it means both individually and together to pray for daily bread and to really mean that whatever that thing is, physical, emotional, spiritual bread that we need today, we anchor it in today. Because as Jesus says later in the Sermon on the Mount, by the way, this is part of a longer sermon, he says, well, you know, Tomorrow's got enough worries, so just stick with what you got here. Could that be our posture?